This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 48 of Bleeding Blue. And today we are going to preview the rest of the NFC East with the help of Bleeding Blue's own Michael Bokra and Brett Wiley. You probably know them from the Yankees episodes if you've been listening for a really long time. Boker will preview and share his expectations for the Cowboys, being a Cowboy fan, and Brett will do the same for the Eagles. And at the end, we will all come together, put aside our differences, and bash the Redskins. So, this week is the week of the 4th of July, also known as Independence Day. Without further ado, let's bleed red, white, and blue. When I was in school, you know, we used to sing something like this. Brett, you didn't do your Barracuda thing. Ah, oh, sorry, I forgot. We, had, we haven't done this in a while. I know. Oh. What do you mean? We did it like three weeks ago, you and me. I probably didn't do it then either. Oh, wow. That is true. I didn't remind you of that. Yeah. I didn't remind you of that. Um, how are we doing, fellas? It is the three of us. It is Brett. It is Michael Boker. It is Justin. This is a podcast called Bleeding Blue. We typically have, it is David and myself, David double underscore Powis on Twitter. This is a Giants podcast, a New York football Giants podcast. But today we are previewing the rest of the NFC East. You two are fans of the Cowboys and Eagles. And we just simply don't have a Redskins fan on the bleeding blue team. So here we are. This is, this is the team today. This is the, this is the, the group. How are we doing? I'm doing pretty good, Justin. I'm actually watching the Yankee game. As we are doing this podcast, so it's uh it's going pretty good so far. We're recording this on a Saturday. It will be it will be released on Monday. I ask you nicely that because you are watching the Yankee game, do not give us any updates on the Yankee game because people will be listening to this on Monday. So if you give us updates on things that happen on a Saturday and then you preface it with breaking news, it's actually not breaking news. Hey Justin. What? Breaking news. Breaking news, what happened? <laughs> oh, Didi just hit a RBI. Congratulations, Didi Gregorius. I love that man's smile. <laughs> See, you know that Michael had to do that. I, yeah, just recall. If, if Renato was listening to this, Renato did that all the time. Renato would, Renato would be like, breaking news. And I'm like, Renato, this podcast is not being released for another three days. It is going to be the furthest thing from breaking news. <laughs> yeah. Brett, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm actually also watching the uh, Yankees Red Sox game because seeing baseball in London, awesome. You got the folks. I'm the, one, I'm the one wearing a Yankee. Boker, are you wearing a, a Yankee shirt right now? 
I'm wearing a cowboy shirt. Oh, you're wearing a cowboy shirt. I'm the only one wearing a Yankee shirt, and I'm not actually watching the game. Yeah. I, I would get too distracted if I was if I was watching the Yankee game. But uh, mm-hmm. what do we want to talk about next? We want to talk about housekeeping, so we'll do that. Um, I checked the Apple as of Saturday. As of Saturday afternoon, our podcast has 49 five-star ratings. We are one away from 50, and that is going to be big time when we get to 50. So if you would like to be the 50th five-star rating on the Apple Podcast app, Please do. I will love you forever. Tell me that, hey, I was the one that left the 50th rating and I will love you forever. Or we may even do some sort of gift because there is a development of Bleeding Blue that I don't want to share yet because it's not official. But there may be ways that we can actually give out something to people that leave reviews or have some sort of contest. So that may yeah that may be happening and Boker and Brett know what I'm talking about but nobody else does so follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 follow David who is not here on Twitter at David double underscore Powis follow Brett on Twitter at Coyote Weather 10 follow Boker on Twitter at M and follow the podcast on Twitter at Bleeding Double Underscore Blue this is a dead period for football so you know we're gonna have some fun episodes Bleeding Blue and this is one of them. We may have a fantasy football episode soon, and we have a really fun summer plan. So let's let's just get into it. Um, I feel like I usually spend more time on housekeeping. I first do want to talk about this is the week of the Fourth of July, Independence Day. I, I put out a I put out a Twitter poll saying like, "What's your favorite holiday?" And I really do feel like the the Fourth of July was kind of getting shot on a little bit. And here here's the results so far. Like, "What's your favorite holiday?" We've got 107 votes. Oh, it's final. 107 votes, 50% Christmas, 15% 4th of July, 30% Thanksgiving, 5% other. There's only There's, one right answer, Christmas. What's the right answer? Christmas, okay. Yeah, yeah. Obviously the best holiday. I agree, Brett. It's the greatest and oldest holiday. I kind of do like 4th of July. As the years have gone on, I have spent less time outside. I have. I think this is like the second time in a couple weeks that I've said to <laughs> to our listeners that I hate the outside world, but it's, it's too fucking hot. It's too hot. Like I was outside talking to one of my friends today for like five minutes and I'm like, I need to get inside. I need to get inside. Justin, I'm the exact same way. I like when it's like really hot out and even like when it's just like a sunny day, I don't like being out there. I don't like the sun being beating on me. I just don't like it. I'm always inside. Hopefully I change. Hopefully I hopefully maybe can spend some more time in the outside world this summer and I can get used to the sun, but that's probably not going to happen. Michael Boker doesn't like fireworks and nobody knows why. And he doesn't like, he doesn't like anything good. He probably, probably hates puppies too. He's a cowboy fan, so he doesn't like yeah. anything nice. Well, he's evil. Inherently evil. Being a Cowboys fan, inherently. Boker, tell us why you don't like fireworks. No, I like fireworks. I was just with you at a fireworks show the, uh, last night. That is true. So, uh, but the, I, I know that you don't like fireworks, and that's why you won't go with us. We, we do like a huge thing with our group of friends um, the day before Fourth of July, where there's this Sea Warren Park in New Jersey. They have this big fireworks show, and Boker never comes, and we really want him to come. So basically, what you're saying, uh, Boker, is that Justin is fake news. <laughs> Like fake fake news with the I don't like fireworks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is true. I do like fireworks. All right. All right, Michael Boker. Why yeah. don't you 
recap last season for us for the Dallas Cowboys. You won the division. What worked? What didn't work? How did your season end? Tell us, tell us just on the top of your brain some thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys season, and then we'll go from there. Okay. Well, to start off, we'll begin the first half of the year. Not so good. Uh, I think they were three and five. They got Amari Cooper. I mean, Amari Cooper really turned around our season. Just the way that the whole offense like exploded when Cooper came. You know, they went on a huge winning streak. Everybody was doing better, including Dak and Zeke. So he really just exploded the offense, I would say. Defense overall did really good. I was very proud of them because usually the talk with the Dallas Cowboys is the offense, but never the defense. But this year, I feel like it was always the defense being talked about. You you talked about the defense. Explain to us, they have this two defensive coordinator system, right? Yeah. So Explain, Explain how that works. So Papa Rod, as I call him, Rod Marinelli, he was he's the defensive coordinator, but they between Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard, the defensive back coach, they would always like split the calls. So one game it might have been Chris Richard, the next game it might have been Rod Marinelli, and they would go back and forth and they would like split the call, play calling. And that worked well, do you think? That worked pretty well? I mean, yeah, I think it worked really well. So I think when Rod Marinelli does retire, which probably is going to be soon, I think. And if Chris Richard is still around, he's probably going to be, you know, the defensive coordinator, if not head coach and for another team. Mm. I really, I really like Chris Richard. So they added Amari Cooper um, second half of the season. And it's amazing. You add a premier wide receiver to the mix and it's amazing how he can make everybody else around him better. Um, Is that, is that a subtle blow to a giants fans about Odell Beckham jr? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. But made every, made everybody else around him better. How did he make everybody else around him better? Like what? So obviously, you know, the Cowboys dramatically improved, and they went from a three and five team to going on to winning the division. But what what did Amari Cooper allow everybody else to do? How did he maximize um, everybody else around him? So I think before Amari Cooper, defenses were taken out the best player on that offense, which was Ezekiel Elliott. They would stack the box and they would leave their corners one-on-one to cover these, I guess, average at best wide receivers. And the defense, their defense would be winning because you stop Ezekiel Elliott and it was pretty much over. So Amari Cooper, when you bring Amari Cooper in, he brings the explosiveness and everything opens up around him. You start doubling Cooper, taking guys out of the box that when Cooper's double teamed or triple teamed, you know, you just hand the ball off to Zeke and let him go eat. That rhymed. I really like that. Uh, Glenn and Paul, the guys from the NYG underground, um, we talked exactly about that, where the risk of not having Odell Beckham Jr. on the team anymore for the Giants is that now they will be able to stack the box against the Giants yeah. and it will limit Saquon Barkley's potential and it will limit you know his capabilities of what he can do right so we talked exactly about the same thing so the cowboys kind of did the opposite they didn't have that premier wide receiver they went and they got it they went and they got him and then he was able to you know i keep on using i feel like there's a better word than maximize but he was able to utilize utilize okay we'll go we'll go with utilize 
Amari Cooper, when they brought him in, he was able to help, you know, utilize the strengths of the offense and kind of the giants have done the opposite. They have lost their premier wide receiver. However, I do think the, the group that is Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and add Cody Latimer slash Russell, um, not Russell Shepard, Cody Latimer slash Corey Coleman slash Darius Slayton. I think that group is stronger than what the Cowboys had before yeah. Amari Cooper got there. So yeah. take take Absolutely. these things with a grain of salt. But again, just analyzing this through the Giants. So Michael Boker, so the Cowboys wound up beating the Seattle Seahawks in the wild card round. Congratulations, you won a playoff game. And Thank then you much. wound up you wound up going to Los Angeles, and that was basically going to be another Cowboy home game since there is no such thing as home field advantage in Los Angeles. Yes. And you lost. So yeah. end of the season, pretty good season. You won the East. You're feeling good. Let's talk about your offseason. Offseason acquisitions. Uh, recap free agency for us. What were your what were your biggest moves, whether it's the draft, free agency? Give us like your top two to two or three acquisitions that you had in the offseason. All right, so top two would definitely be Randall Cobb, um, the wide receiver from Green Bay, and Robert Quinn, the defensive end, former Los Angeles Ram and former Miami Dolphin. Those were the two biggest. And I'm going to throw out a third one because I really like this pickup. Uh, I think it's an underrated pickup. Dallas brought in former defensive tackle from the Houston Texans, Christian Covington. I like him. I I also like him. He's a fucking hog. Really like him. Um, so, yeah, those were the three best acquisitions that Dallas got in the offseason. Which one are you most excited for? I think I'm most excited for Randall Cobb, to be honest with you. Randall Cobb, in order of the three that I mentioned, it would probably be Randall Cobb, Robert Quinn, and Christian Cummington. All right. All right, so... Cowboys are certainly in a very interesting position heading into 2019. Oh, I feel yeah. like I feel like there's a, everybody and their mother is on the last year of their contract on that team. Yeah. So biggest storylines heading into the season. What's your what's your biggest storyline heading into 2019, Boker? I might have just kind of uh, spoiled it, but uh, talk talk to us about uh, talk to us about that storyline that they have this upcoming season. I think is going to make or break the Dallas Cowboys simply because they have so many key pieces that are going to be free agents after this year. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Jalen Smith, and Byron Jones, five top guys that are going to be free agents. And with the cap space that Dallas has, they have to do a phenomenal job maneuvering people around, cutting the right people, getting rid of these people to try to get as much cap as they can to sign these people. Cause Dak is going to get, that's going to get at least, at least right now, thirty-two million. Brett, what was uh, Carson Wentz's contract? How much is he getting per year? 32. He's getting thirty-two a year. Yeah. All right. So Carson Wentz is getting thirty-two. So you would think that Dak Prescott's going to want more, right? I I know for a fact. Just because Carson Wentz got paid before Dak, Dak's literally going to go. Him and his agent are literally going to go into this situation and go. Listen, I have a better record versus mm-hmm. the Eagles. Okay, I have not missed a game compared to Carson Wentz, okay, I have won a playoff game rather than Carson Wentz. I have more wins in this division right now since entering the league than anybody, okay? I'm going to get paid. He can Carson. he can hold the Cowboys hostage. If you really wanted to, he probably could. <laughs> and, really, and really, you think about how that's going to possibly hurt 
all of these other guys around him. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is still it's such a long season and there's still so much time to negotiate a contract. Now, I want to ask what what do what would you prefer? Would you prefer that a contract gets done before the season or are you willing to kind of roll the dice, go into this season, see how it plays out and possibly negotiate something during the year or even during the offseason before free agency hits? So, I was kind of going back and forth a little bit. I kind of want a deal to get done before the season. But right now, I'm thinking, this is what I'm thinking. This is the best team that I have witnessed on both sides of the ball. Mm. Okay, I'm thinking, roll the dice, see how he performs. If he performs terrible, like, I mean, God awful with the best team on offense and defense, uh, <laughs> I think that's going to drop the the um, the amount of money he's going to get. So I would I would roll the dice as of now. I'd roll the dice and see what happens. Okay. All right. So uh, that's, that's, I mean, that's basically the biggest storyline. The Cowboys are in a, I mean, you want to talk about a win now season. Sometimes we would, you know, shoot the shit as Giants fans. And we were saying, oh, last year was a win now season because we signed Jonathan Stewart. (laughs) You know, sometimes we would just fool around. You know, we throw, we throw that term around so much as fans. Like, oh, it's a win now, win now, win now. Want to win now, right? You want you want to talk about a a win now team that yeah. actually has to win now. All capitals win now with an exclamation point. With an exclamation point, maybe two exclamation points. Yeah, and it's bolded and underlined. Yes. Yeah. So the Cowboys are that team. So yeah. basically, Boker. Instead of I, what I hate doing is I hate I call it schedule picking, even though that probably makes no sense. I hate like. There's a way to do it that's good. And for example, the Just Giants podcast and the Just Giants guys, they actually did this. They went game by game and they gave their, okay, this is a win in pencil. This is a win in pen. This is a loss in pencil, a loss in pen um, based off of you know the game. And they talked about the game. I could see the team being in this situation. There's a way to you know pick games and like, oh, I think the Giants are going to win this game. I think the Giants are going to lose this game. There's a way to do it that's good. And there's a way to do it that it's so annoying and it's like, how can you predict the future? But I, you know, I've heard other podcasts go, oh, week one, I think the Giants are gonna win. Okay, okay, week two, I think we're gonna lose, and then we're gonna lose again. And it's just like you're just picking games, just spewing out bullshit. So instead of asking you to go through each game, or instead of just asking you, look at the Cowboys schedule, tell me how many games are they gonna win, I wanna ask you, how many teams do you how many teams? How many wins do you see this roster? getting in 2019 when you look at this roster how many wins do you see this roster getting in 2019 meaning like what's the potential of the roster um yeah i don't do that i I hate going game by game because i don't even do that with the giants i barely even pay mind to the schedule anymore because the nfl is so unpredictable so what do you what do you say i think 11 and 5 with the schedule that dallas has is a really good number for them to have 11 and five. I'm calling. Great. All right. Um, Cowboys giants history together. They've had a total of 114 meetings. The Cowboys all time series. They are winning the all time series at 66, 46 and two ties. Postseason results. Giants one nothing 2007 divisional round where we went on to win the Super Bowl, baby. The largest victory Cowboys had. 52 to 7 in 1966. Do you think that uh, the largest victory is uh, going to be occurring this year, Bokra, where they're going to uh, break that record from 1966? Uh, no, I do not. 
No? Okay. Current win streak. The Cowboys are on a four-game win streak. The last time the Giants beat the Cowboys is when they swept them in 2016 with Ben McAdoo. Michael Boker is waving his Cowboy fan towel, and you can't see him. Uh, But basically, since 2017 on, it's been four games where the Cowboys have beat the Giants. There are 13 NFL championships that are combined with the two of them. I am on the Wikipedia page, and I am just reading the right side. Um, 13 Super Bowl appearances between the two of them. And a total of 28 NFC East divisional championships between the two. That's a little bit of history. So, Michael Boker, this is my final question I'm going to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. If the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year, these things have to happen. Go. Okay. Number one, better in the red zone. The offense needs to be way better in the red zone, and I think we're going to see that this year. This uh, last this past season, they were bottom – half in the league in the red zone they were atrocious so they got to capitalize on the red zone number one that's a great point boker because i've been doing a lot of i've been re-watching every single offensive snap from the 2018 season on the giants and the giants were 28th in scoring touchdown percentage in the red zone 28th in the league with 50 percent now the cowboys won how many games they win last year 10 yeah 10 they won 10 games last year and they were 26th they were 26th in the league with scoring TD percentage with 51.7. That's bad. <laughs> that's bad. They were at yeah. the bottom end of the league. Yeah. So that's actually surprising to see. They won 10 games. They won the division. And they, you know, scored a touchdown in the red zone, you know, just a little bit over 50% of the time. So keep going. All right. So they have to be better in the red zone. Um, play calling needs to be better. Scott Linehan got fired. Thank the Lord. Kellen Moore is going to take over play calling, and I have faith in him. I'm I thought it was uh, I thought it was um, Garrett. Garrett's not going to do the play calling. Kellen Moore. Okay, he's the offensive coordinator now. Um, so yeah, I, I thought the same as you, by the way, Justin. I thought Garrett was going to call plays. So anyway, on the defensive side of the ball, I think if you get a great pass rush, which Dallas did work on this season, they bring in Quinn, they bring in Covington, they draft Tristan Hill. They draft a corner who I'm looking forward to seeing, Mike Jackson. Altogether, if they have a great pass rush, it'll give less time that the defensive backs need to cover, and I think I think that's going to be a key piece All right. on the defensive side of the ball. All right, so fin- this, is, this is going to be the final question. This, okay. Do the Cowboys win the Super Bowl in 2019? Uh, you know what? For shits and giggles, and because this is the best team that I've ever witnessed, I'm going to say, hell yeah, we're going to win. Go Cowboys. And that way I could go to my grave happy. There you go. All right. Go to your grave happy. Hell yeah. <laughs> I need to see one. I need to see one. And this is the year. I'm telling you. Oker has been waiting 20 years. <laughs> I've been waiting 21. I'll be 21 in a, in a week. So oh, that's right. Years. That's right. All right. Brett, we yeah. are moving on to the. Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles. Say it correctly. The 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 Eagles. All right, um, I, I'm out. You're out. All right, peace out. Brett, recap last season. We're gonna basically do the same format that I did with the uh, Boker and the Cowboys. Recap last season. What worked? What didn't? What happened last year? There's two major themes of last season. Well, the major one was injuries. They started early and rapidly. We really piled up injuries from the very first couple weeks. Secondary was playing, I would say, practice squad players. In fact, they were playing practice squad players 
by the middle of the season when the Cowboys got Cooper. So that's why he lit it up in some of those Eagles games because he was facing absolute scrubs. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, it's an excuse, but it's also the facts. But overall, even with the actual starters in there, a ton of inconsistency, not getting it done in the red zone like they did in 2017, 2018 season, not getting it done on third and long defensively. We would allow third, third 15, third 20, allow those first downs. One comes to mind, fourth and like, 15 or so against the Titans. All we needed was a stop to win the game and we couldn't get it done. Just, and we had like a three touchdown lead going to the fourth quarter against the Panthers. Couldn't hold that. There were so many wins that we just gave away. And still, still through all that turmoil, was able to finish the season and get in the playoffs. Despite, you know, Wentz, struggle he, he played he, he was inconsistent he played pretty well overall and the numbers actually say that he was the best quarterback in the division last year and he was not healthy and he wasn't healthy so he clearly rushed himself back this offseason he he's getting back to being his 2017 form so i'm real excited there but Foles again played a huge part last season when when Wentz went down again and he came in and rejuvenated the team. That's what he does. You know, and I kind of caution the Jaguars that way that Foles might not be your franchise savior, but I digress. I want to I say something about Foles. Yeah. I go to school in Philadelphia. I go to school in St. Joe's. And, I, you know, I was here when they won the Super Bowl. And, you know, it wasn't fun for me. But just seeing the city, it was, it was, it, it was, it was special. And... Nick Foles is a top three Philadelphia sports hero. Oh yeah, of all time. Mm-hmm. Put him up there with Rocky Balboa, and he's not there. He's not on the team. Like they, they just had to let him go. Well, and that yeah. is crazy. He is a top three Philadelphia sports hero of all time, of mm-hmm. all time. And that's and I, you know. That's not really singing much, but <laughs> the fact that they just had to let him let him go, I I think it's one of the craziest stories. Like we'll we'll look back on that like fifty years from now, just like how that happened, and yeah. we're gonna like just be like, I can't believe all of that happened. Even that little run that they had, you know, with the before the double doink, you're still thinking to yourself, holy shit, is this a destiny thing again? So yeah. I, I just think that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. It certainly was. It, it sucked. A lot of a lot of fans really did not want to let Foles go, and it's just there was no realistic way to keep him because he was going to get franchise quarterback type of numbers right. in terms of his uh, contract. Um, and the Eagles, no sane person would have signed him back up for that, obviously. And when and when Wentz is right, when Wentz is right, and this is the thing, when Wentz is right. When he's he has, healthy, he has to be right. He has to be healthy. He is a top five quarterback in the league. He yeah, is certainly. He's, he's so good. He's basically Aaron Rodgers when he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, so. he is. Um, so offseason acquisitions. Give me your top three offseason acquisitions. Recap free agency for me. Your biggest moves, the draft, etc. Howie Roseman certainly pulled off quite the move during the during the NFL draft to possibly get the best tackle besides Jonah Williams. Mm-hmm. 
tell us yeah. tell us about your offseason, Brett. Well, I'll start earlier than that. I'll start in March. They made a flurry of moves, really throughout the month. They uh, made a, a, a pretty big splash and signed Deshaun Jackson to a oh, three-year contract. God. That's my number one move this offseason. I love the fact we brought him back, hopefully to haunt the division again. And we also brought in uh, defensive tackle Malik Jackson, mm. who's pretty excellent too for the uh, Jaguars. We brought him in on a three-year contract. You know, just putting him next to Fletcher Cox, Not you're not running on the Eagles. That's year. not fair. Just not going to happen. It's not fair. So, so that's – and I think maybe a little bit of a uh, underrated move that happened a little later in the offseason to kind of supplement that defensive line was the signing of linebacker Zach Brown. Not the band, but – Not the band. The, the linebacker. Uh, so a one-year deal from the Redskins. And he's a solid linebacker. I mean, he's getting a little up there in age. He's not, not a young spring chicken anymore. But, you know, he, he can play. And he can cover a bit, too. So people keep thinking he's just a run stopper, and he's good at that, certainly. But he can also cover a little bit. He was in the upper uh, half of uh, linebackers in terms of uh, coverage statistics. So. so that was a good signing. The draft, I think you mentioned, obviously, Andre Dillard was a good pick at 22nd. Not sexy, but honestly, where you are, you know, teams like the Eagles don't draft sexy players. Because they're going to be later in the first round, and they're just they're just kind of creating depth. I mean, everybody really that they picked, except for maybe Miles Sanders, is just depth. Right. You know, the, these guys aren't going to play a whole lot. Yeah. They're not. They're not coming to these guys like, please, please save us. Yeah. No. No. They're backups, which they should be. That's healthy. Right. So the Eagles have their franchise quarterback locked down for a few years. They're coming off Super Bowl victory. Two years ago, made the playoffs last year. Carson Wentz is hopefully going to be healthy heading into the season. You got Deshaun back. You got Deshaun Jackson back. The band is back together. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what's your uh, what's your biggest storyline heading into the season? So, you know, basically everything is looking pretty good in Eagle Land, right? You know, everybody's there. So, what's what's the biggest storyline heading into the year, Brett? Biggest storyline is staying healthy. Mm. We cannot. He cannot. It cannot be the third year in a row. Because honestly, even the year we won the Super Bowl, we had a ton of injuries. Not you lost your quarterback. <laughs> what? You lost your quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, but in in a bunch of other starters too. But yeah, quarterback's the most important, certainly. But last year we had even more injuries. It cannot. That trend can't continue. To to compete in this division with a great Cowboys team. We need to stay most – there's no team that's going to stay completely healthy. That's, that's unrealistic. But mostly, we, we can't be losing major – like most of our major starters in every position group. That can't happen. So that's, that's, my, that's my main key. I think if that happens, I think it'll be real close in the division in terms of who wins. I, I, I think the Eagles roster is very strong. I would agree with you. Oh, um, do you want to say something? Yeah, I wanted to ask you when you were recapping the draft, but um, how do you feel about um, that receiver you drafted, uh, Arcadia Whiteside? Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. Yeah. yeah. Well, how do you feel that's, about that's him? A name. Wait, say, say that in a, that's a that's a great name. JJ Arcega Whiteside. Say that three times fast. <laughs> that three times fast. No, you're no fun. All right, what do you think of him, Brett? I like him a lot. I also like him a lot. He I'm is a very jealous receiver. You know, 
in the mold of some of the other receivers we have right now. And, you know, I think, I, I think he is going to be an excellent fourth, basically fourth receiver for us. You know, a guy that you bring in that contributes not a whole lot, but like, like I said, he's depth. And what about uh, Miles Sanders? Um, a little, little bit of concern about him. He, he hasn't been playing a whole lot in the training camp, at least in the early part of like the, the training camp, sort of the volu- voluntary stuff. But assuming we can get him on the field, um, and he's healthy, he's a dynamic playmaker. Uh, the only concern, even if he's healthy, the only concern I have with him is his fumble issues. In college, I, I'm a Penn State fan, so I watched him a lot. He fumbled. So that's something he needs to fix, basically. <laughs> All right, so, so our friend uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, that's, that's really, that really flows well off the tongue. Um, yeah. comes coming out of Stanford. He had a pro football focus rate of 89.6. He had a receiving grade of 89. He had 17 contested receptions, which for FBS rank is fifth passer rating when targeted 134.9. And that was 14th in the FBS. So, Hey, really good. And good. Part of the reason why those numbers are so high is when Stanford utilized him, which is in the red zone. Hmm. He was used – he can be a little bit of a deep threat, but that's not his main thing. He goes up there, and he plays above the rim in the red zone. I think the Eagles will be the toughest team to stop in the red zone in the NFL this year. Him and, him and Jeffrey? Yeah, him and Alshon Jeffrey. And we haven't even talked about our tight ends yet. We have the best tight ends in the league. So you look at the roster, very similar, like I said, with Boker. I went on a tangent about how I hate looking at the schedule and picking how many games the Giants are going to win or whoever's going to win. When you look at the roster, when you just look at the roster, how many wins is this roster going to get in 2019? I mean, again, looking at the roster and looking at I, – I, I'm just going to say the schedule is not as hard as some other teams. Okay. We do have a somewhat favorable schedule on the, on the surface. I think this team can win 13 games. I seriously do. I would tend to agree with you, Brett. I hate to just harp on quarterback, 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 because that's all I fucking do on this podcast. I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody's noticed that because it's the most important position in all the sports. So why wouldn't you harp on it? You know, if the quarterback is right, if Carson Wentz is right, that game that he played in the Meadowlands that Thursday night yeah. last year, I. I was my jaw was on the floor because of how great he can be. And then yeah. you could see you watch a game in the second half of the season later in the year, you could see the difference with where he just was not right. Well, and the main yeah. difference is you look at him in the pocket when he's healthy versus hurt. When he's healthy, he's very bouncy in there. Mm-hmm. He'll be up on the balls of his feet, you know, he, he he'll 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 look dynamic. He'll just play dynamically. When he's healthy, when he's not, he's more flat-footed. He's more of a still target back there. And to be fair, no matter how he is, he's not the quickest decision maker. He doesn't get the ball out super quick. Um, so he needs to move around a little bit to to get away from the rush a lot of the time. That's why that part of his game is still. You know, you know the thing about uh, Wentz and staying healthy is he coming? He's coming off a. Uh a torn ACL and a back issue last year, right? He had broke a bone in his back. Yeah, I know he had a back issue. I'm not sure exactly what it was, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, looking 
with the back issue, you know, in Dallas we experienced the problem with Tony Romo and his yeah. and his back. So you just gotta just gotta watch out for that, man. Yeah, it's a great point. Oh yeah, yeah. And honestly, another thing when comparing, let's say, let's let's compare Foles and how the team played under Foles and under Wentz. The offensive line was way better for Foles, I feel like. And part of that isn't really anything to do with how the offensive line is playing overall. It's partly because Foles plays more predictably. He's just going to drop back there, and he's going to run the play. He's not going to go out there and extend the play and run around. But he, he just does what the play is called. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, because Doug Peterson's offense, correct me if I'm wrong, Brett, but Doug Peterson's offense does rely on a ton of pre-snap reads. And if you aren't going to extend plays like Carson Wentz has the capability to do, most of the time, and you see this in a lot of offenses, uh, Eli Manning and Pat Shermer are sometimes guilty of the same thing, where Eli will pre-select who he's going to throw the ball to because I think he was he was brainwashed by Ben McAdoo that that's what, that's what he's going to do. <laughs> neither Neither here nor there. Nick Foles did that. Nick Foles and Doug Peterson's offense is designed to do that, and Nick Foles doesn't have that same mobility. So that's what kind of happened, correct? Yeah, yeah. Peterson simplified simplified a lot of things, and it really worked impressively. Yeah, utilizing guys moving in motion pre-snap. Is a safety moving? Is the linebacker moving? Who's following who? Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, honestly, I, I don't I mean I don't want to carp on the Super Bowl too much, but he outsmarted Bill Belichick in a lot of areas mm. in that game in terms of just little things the Eagles would do. If yeah, yeah, and it's a couple years ago now. We're going we're going we're going on two seasons, but you know, that that I I think Peterson is a shockingly good coach. Yeah, yeah compared to what people thought when they first hired him. And where he, where he is now, right. he's a shockingly good coach. The only reason why I would maybe disagree with you for 13 games that the Eagles win is because the NFC East, I think it's going to be tighter. I'm not going to say it's going to be, you know, all these teams are going to be 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, and they're all going to be slugging it out towards the end of the season. But I think the Giants are going to be slightly better than they were last year. I think the Cowboys, you know, who, you know, Cowboys, they finished up 10 and six. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty damn good record. So they're probably still going to be winning nine, 10 plus games. And then, you know, the Eagles, if their quarterback is right, they, you know, they're probably going to be resuming what they did two years ago during the regular season. So yeah. it's going to be tighter. Um, I think if you look at, again, if you look at the roster, this yeah. roster could be a 13 win roster. And I think yeah. you're right. Howie Roseman is one of the most forward-thinking GMs in the league. And if you were to just listen to this podcast and listen to this segment, you would think that I'm a, you would think that I'm an Eagles fan. <laughs> you're a fan of how Eagles build the roster, though. Yes, I am a huge fan of how they've gone about their business. They when they had an opportunity to go and get their quarterback with having a top three pick, or you know, they actually moved up. Didn't they move up? Oh, oh big time! They moved up. Yeah. They moved- from the middle of the first round all the way up to number two. Cool. Yeah. So I, I envy that. I envy that, that they saw their guy, they went and they got their guy, and now they have, you know, they've won their Super Bowl with their quarterback on their rookie deal, and now they're just putting their, all they have to do is just cut and paste some pieces around them to perfect the roster. I think it's brilliant, and I'm hoping the Giants can figure it out with Daniel Jones in the same fashion. So uh, first meeting, 
between the Eagles and the Giants, the Eagles and the Giants. October 15th, 1933, the Giants won 56 to nothing. Um, that was also the largest victory the either team has had against each other. Brett, do you think that there will be a larger victory this season, larger than 56 points? No. 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 I just thought I'd ask if you're going to – I bet. Who, who knows? Um, no, it's, it's not going to happen. That's hard to do. That's hard to do anywhere against, against any team. I, I wasn't also I wasn't also seriously. When do I actually ask a pretty serious question? It's rare. I like to be a wise ass a lot. Um, their latest meeting was November twenty fifth, two thousand eighteen. The Eagles won twenty five to twenty two in Philadelphia. Cody Parkey hit some sixty yard fucking field goal to win the game. That was very heartbreaking. Um, they had a, they have a total of one hundred seventy four meetings. We are tied, Brett. Eighty six, eighty six, and two yep. ties. I know that because because it's funny. You guys had a huge lead at one time in the uh, in the all time series, but the Eagles in the two thousands have made all kinds of ground up. Yep. Postseason results were tied two and two. Longest win streak. The Eagles at one point had twelve straight victories against the Giants, nineteen seventy five to nineteen eighty one. Giants were miserable in the seventies, and then Bill Parcells came in in nineteen eighty one, and things kind of. Switched up a little bit. The Giants had a win streak of nine games, 1938 to 1942, and 1997 to 2000. Current win streak right now stands at five games in a row for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that is, uh, that is, that is it in terms of the, the history. Um, this is going to be one of uh, my final two questions for you. If your team is going to win the Super Bowl this year, Brett, these things have to happen. Okay, so besides what I've already said about staying relatively healthy, I think the secondary is a big key because we've had a lot of injuries there in the past. So because of that, we have we have a lot of players in that secondary, you know, the first stringers and second stringers that have seen significant action. So if those defensive backs can play and, and, and use that experience to up their game in the coming seasons, or in the com- this coming season anyway, I think that secondary could be real good and, and provide uh, some needed cover on the back end when, again, the defensive line is going to be dominant, but when they don't get there, they, the, the secondary needs to step up like I think they can. We have good safety play, but the corners, of course, need to hold up their bargain too. Will the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl in 2019? Boy, uh, you know what? There's no reason they, they don't. There's no reason they can't anyway. There's no reason they can't win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to say yes. Well, fellas, only one team can win the, win the Super Bowl. And uh, both of you say that your teams are going to win the Super Bowl. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's tough. Yeah. That's a tough one. You, know uh, you know what I'd love, love to say? Lo- I would love to see. Um, Cowboy Eagles NFC Championship. I love it. It couldn't. It actually couldn't possibly get better than that. It couldn't. Especially with the rosters that both our teams have, you know. Yeah, and it it certainly could happen. There's yeah. again, it's like there's no reason that couldn't this, happen. And this division is just going to be a dogfight. It's literally going to be sluggers just punching away. Yeah. Do you see as as a Cowboy fan and Eagle fan respectively? Do you see there being any chance that the Giants are competing for either the division title or a wild card? 
I would say it's highly unlikely. There's no. some talent on the Giants. I'll give you guys yeah. that. The guys have some talent. But it's going to be tough, again, with the two really great rosters at the top of the division. Yeah, and I think, you know, could argue either the Eagles are going to win the division or the Cowboys are going to win the division. And one of those two te- – one one team is going to get the wild card pick. Either Cowboys or Eagles get the wild card, and one wins the division. What do you two think of Daniel Jones? He hasn't stepped foot on an NFL field, so I'm not going to be criticizing him or praising him until he steps on the field. That's a cop-out. Nobody likes a cop-out. I think he has the potential to be a solid NFL quarterback. Yeah, potential. Middle of the road, like like just barely in the top 15, but, you know, like 14 or 15. I think he has potential to be in that range. All right. All right, let's let's move on to the Redskins. I'm trying to cram and look at some things the the Redskins did during the offseason. Basically – do we see the Redskins imposing on any of our three teams this season? Brett, you could go first. I, boy, I mean, I, I have never, ever been scared of the Redskins. Now, to be honest, they've beaten us a few times in a row a couple years ago, so that happened. But uh, overall, no. I mean, their defense, I think we mentioned that. The defense is solid, and that could keep them in some games. Division games are tough. They're always tough. But – I mean, we the first actually that's our first game is at home against the Redskins, so th- we're not losing that. <laughs> that's just, just not happening. It couldn't happen. So we'll just put that on the table. And I don't know. I don't know when we play the Redskins next, but yeah, I, I don't view them as a threat. Yeah, Brett, talk talk a little bit more about there, or if even both of you just want to you know bounce off of each other based off of how much you know about the Redskins. I can even go into my pyramid that I that I did on the Redskins and how it's not very good. Um, talk about how. Their defense is strong, and how their offense, their offensive struggles, could possibly hurt their defense. And Giants fans have been, you know, we we've seen as Giants fans, we're familiar with this kind of talk as well. What I was going to say is, while their offense doesn't have much in terms of playmakers, their offensive line is actually good when healthy. Now they had a ton of injuries last year. I'm sure Redskins fans don't want to hear me crying about injuries. They were playing third and fourth string offensive linemen by the end of last season. So yeah, it was brutal. But Brett, when healthy on their offensive line, they can be pretty good. So Brett, 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 do you know that Eric Flowers is going to be starting for them? Yeah, but he has talent. Oh, oh my God! Giants fans, Giants fans just clicked off. Giants fans just gave us one stars. They just unfollowed us and they reported us to the police because what you just said was criminal. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So just because the Giants couldn't figure out how to use him, Brett, he was so bad. Brett, he was so bad. I know he was bad, but that's just that's one lineman. What about Scherf? He's he's great. Good guard, Trent Williams. Yeah, Moses. Don't they have Moses too? Morgan Morgan Moses at right tackle. Yeah, you can't just pick their worst linemen and say, "Oh, they suck." Well, I, I'm just I'm just saying as a as a Giants fan, we are so looking forward to facing Landon uh, Landon Collins. Well, not only not not only Landon Collins, we're looking forward to facing Landon Collins and Eric Flowers and. This is a this is a unique situation. This is going to be a unique two games this year. 
that the uh, that the Giants and Redskins haven't had probably in a long time, probably even since like the 1980s, where Joe Gibbs and Bill Parcells were going after it with each other, 1980s and maybe 1990s, where there is like strong feelings and emotions attached attached to this game. The uh, the Redskins also have uh, Dominique Rogers Cromartie. They're taking all of our sloppy second leftovers and they're trying to form it into their own football team now. However, Dominic Rogers Cromartie is good. The sloppy uh, second leftover. I I love DRC. DRC can probably still, you know, run a 40 around the same that Saquon Barkley can. I mean, because he's he's that good. Wait, what what was that Snapchat that he had that one time? Um, I think he was, it was like after practice and he put something on a Snapchat story that said, I'm about to go get my pickle tickled or something like that. He made, he made like a sex joke. Like I'm, I'm about to, mm-hmm. he's about to get it. And, and I think that that was very funny. And a lot of Giants mm-hmm. fans, we loved him after that. It's like, you go get your tickle, you go get your tickle, you go get your pickle tickled Dominic Rogers. Good morning. What does that mean? Exactly. I don't Brett. I'll tell you when you're older and I'll tell you after the podcast. How about that? Yeah, I know. I'm just wondering, what did he mean by that? Uh, you know what? Bleeding blue after dark. That's uh, I love. I love when we have bleeding blue after dark. My favorite episodes are when we have bleeding blue after dark. When I mention it, yeah, I love it. All right. Um. So let's uh let's let's break down the Redskins briefly here. Offseason acquisitions. I mentioned a few. Landon Collins was a big one. He got the largest contract a safety has ever gotten in history and good for them. Way to, way to spend that money on a guy that really doesn't deserve that much money, but he's still a good player. He's a former all pro arguably defensive player of the year in 2016 kind of got robbed out of that. They brought Adrian Peterson back. Roger Dominic Rogers Camardi biggest storylines heading into the season. And you know, again, you gotta, you gotta talk about case Keenum and you gotta talk about Dwayne Haskins. So Brett, you, uh, you watch Penn State a lot, so you got to see Dwayne Haskins probably more than any of us here. Yeah, uh, you talked about your thoughts on Dwayne Haskins heading into the draft, but things have you know kind of changed. The more film that we watched, and the more that we've just learned about him. So tell us your updated thoughts on Dwayne Haskins. Well, I think I think he definitely benefited from the talent around him at Ohio State. He had a great group of wide receivers. And while he did show pretty good uh, to elite levels of accuracy at times, there were other times that he took advantage of some pretty, let's just say, questionable defensive back play from his opposition. And I'm thinking of one game in particular against uh, Penn State, which, give him credit, he went into Happy Valley, he pulled his team from behind in the fourth quarter and won. But... It wasn't a long drive. He just kind of chucked the ball up, and his super talented receiver made the catch like 15, 15 yards downfield and a whole bunch of missed tackles later. Really brutal. He ended up in the end zone. But, you know, it's just things like that. Again, I'm not saying that, that Haskins didn't have a, a role in this. He, he clearly did. He just he isn't – I don't think he's quite as great as the numbers say he he, he was anyway. I'm yeah. talking about moving forward into the NFL. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are talking about his arm uh, coming out yeah. of the draft, but you know, mm-hmm. shout out, shout out to Bobby Skinner. Bobby Skinner has basically proven by film and by statistics that the difference between Dwayne Haskins and Daniel Jones is that Dwayne Haskins was at Ohio state and he had top tier talent and Daniel Jones was at Duke and didn't have that top tier talent. When you kind yeah. of, 
look at the numbers, especially when you look at the numbers between you break it down in, in between the intermediate game and then you break it down between the 20, you know, 20 yards or more, the long game, long game, basically their numbers are the same. And, you know, Dwayne Haskins was the clear cut number two behind Kyler Murray. But when you kind of break it down and when you kind of look at the film, you know, it, it, it doesn't look like the Giants got, I don't want to say fleeced because they were the ones that made the choice to draft Daniel Jones. But the difference isn't as drastic as we initially thought. So, yeah, obviously, Daniel Jones is still a reach at six. And it's still really good for the Redskins that they were able to get Dwayne Haskins. They were able to get the quarterback that they wanted without having to move up. Plus, they were also able to get a good edge rusher, Montez Sweat, that they took a chance on with his he had heart a heart condition, condition right? Yeah. Yeah, so condition. they they're able to take a chance on that, and they're uh, they're willing to just roll with it, and they're gonna they're gonna see what they can get. Probably not in 2019, but they're gonna see what they can get in 2019 and beyond. So, fellas, let me ask you this: I'm looking at my pyramid that I that I did with the NFL positional value pyramid, and I broke it down by um, looking at the average Pro Football Focus grades by tier. And I'm looking at this roster, and I see a four to five win roster. I think five wins is the best that they honestly can do this year. So that's what I see um, because the highest grade that they have on the team, not counting Dwayne Haskins' pro football focus grade from college, the highest graded tier that they have is the second tier with left tackle, primary corner, primary edge rusher. And those three players are very good players. Trent Williams, Josh Norman, Ryan Kerrigan. Josh Norman's a little overrated. And that tier is rated a 73, which is solid. That's solid for an average pro football focus grade, especially for three players. That's pretty solid. But the rest of them are all under 70, which isn't great. You at least want one tier that's in the mid-70s, and they don't have that. So I see five wins max coming out of this roster when I look at it. So what do you what do you two think? Boker, we'll start with you. I'll one up you. I'll say six and ten. Okay. I mean, that's a lot. But I mean, this is my point. That's like, all right, no. Again, I'm being a hypocrite because we look at the roster and I'm like, how many wins do you see the roster getting? But then you say these six and I'm like, that's a lot of wins. That's too many wins. The NFC East can't win that many games. But I'm a hypocrite. I'm a bad guy. Brett, what do you say? Uh, I think they could. I, I think five wins. I think that's about right. Okay. Um, is there anything else anybody wants to say? Does anybody have any final thoughts um, as we wrap up and as we head forward into the 4th of July? I'm kind of a random thought here. I didn't realize they drafted Bryce Love. That's actually a, an under the, under the radar big name there. Any relation to a Julian Love, a, a Giants uh, slot corner that we just drafted? I don't know. Any relation? They probably don't have any relation. Yeah. But, yeah, Bryce Love was a big-time name in college until last year. So. What's a what's a position school? Stanford, Stanford running back. Stanford running back. Oh, who fucking cares? What 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 round did they draft him in? Uh, not sure. <laughs> did they draft him <laughs> in the top second or third? Second or third? That's when you draft a running back. Yeah. At Dave Gettleman. All right. Um, that's uh, a <laughs> David David Powis. He yelled at me because he says every single episode I work in how I disagreed with the 2018 draft pick with Saquon. And there I, d- I did it. I just did it right there. Where I was like, that's when you draft a running back. Damn, he's gonna, if he listens to this, he's going to be so pissed. No, Speaking of running back, 
uh, Dallas drafted a running back in the fourth round who I'm really, really looking forward to seeing. Uh, they drafted Tony Pollard. Hey, the yeah. phone's ringing. Who's going to get it? Yeah, who's, yeah, whose phone is ringing? What what song is that? Oh, you never seen Impractical Jokers? I've no, oh no. I mean, I I watch it sometimes. Oh yeah, they did a bit where um they had a, that ringtone go for uh one of the punishments. It was pretty. Oh, um, okay. So if you watch Impractical Jokers, you get that joke. Congratulations to you if you understand that joke. All right. Anybody else have anything to say? I do not. Okay. I do not. Poker. Okay. Um, keep on bleeding blue. Thanks for listening. Give us five stars in the Apple Podcast app. Uh, I will love you forever. Brett will love you forever. Michael will love you forever. And uh, we will see you next week. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Uh, Don't blow your hand up uh, doing fireworks like somebody else we know and that we're very familiar with with the Giants. Peace out. Thanks for listening.